Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big 12 teams keep racking up nine and 10 win seasons as bowl week continues. Also, one of the greatest events in American sports history involved a Big 12 team, the Pop-Tarts Bowl. We'll look back on that and a whole lot more. This is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. You all can find us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. If you find us on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave your comments. All of that stuff helps a lot. And also, if you all find us on podcast platforms, please leave us five stars in those places. Uh, the backdrop, not the normal one, back on the road again. I am in Dallas, Texas. I'm going to see my alma mater, the Missouri Tigers, play in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, so that's why I am here. But obviously, as you all know, still, Big 12 content is always first and foremost in my heart. So even here in Dallas, we will do the Big 12 content. But uh, if the video looks weird, I'm seeing one bar right now. That is because I am using Hilton Wi-Fi, which normally somewhat decent, maybe not this time around. But still, you will have at least the audio podcast and some maybe sketchy video. Uh, so, guys, this is this has been a really successful bowl season for the Big 12 so far. And we talked about during the year, you know, uh, when the year really concluded, like Kansas with a chance for a nine-win season, West Virginia. Virginia with a chance for a nine-win season. Kansas State, a chance for another nine-win season. Uh, I know they had 10 last year, but still a nine-win season for them. Ends up what happening. Oklahoma State gets a double-digit win season again under Mike Gundy. And then, you know, Oklahoma already achieved a 10-win season, uh, uh, you know, as a Big 12 team. But future Big 12 team Arizona with a chance for a 10-win season. We talk about what we thought would happen with those incoming Big 12 schools to start off the year, it was Utah who was really in the spotlight. Obviously, I'm wearing my Colorado shirt right now. Coach Prime in Colorado took a lot of that September spotlight as well. But guys, in the end of the day, in the end of the season, it's Arizona as a top, most likely 5-10 team to end the year. And also, I mean, a you know, I tweeted this out last night. Like, I, I almost feel like we have to start with, with Arizona. We'll work backwards. Um Oklahoma has Oklahoma. I, I know they had some opt outs, whatnot, but like Drake Stoops still playing. Jackson Arnold's majorly talented. Tawi Walker isn't there. I know they lost some offensive line to some guys on defense, whatever. But Oklahoma has been the standard in the Big 12, for, you know, for a long time, especially under Bob Stoops and even under Lincoln Riley. Uh, most of the time they were. And, uh, you know, what happened last night, like that's not par for the course. You know, Texas. 
slips up and has a snafu at the end of the year, you know, and loses to an incoming Big 12 team, we'd be like, oh, it's so Texas of them. It's not really Oklahoma's MO. And Arizona last night to me is the biggest story of Big 12 bowl season because, you know, I, I thought Utah is, is the surefire incoming team that we have to pick number one. Guys, Arizona's making a push. I mean, Noah Fafita is a true freshman. And I was watching the game about my buddy Cole is here. Where, and, you know, I've watched Fafita this year. Some, uh, some of the best ball, you know, he's had some big games. It's some of the best ball I've seen him play. I mean, he had the one rollout throw and the touchdown that was like, I mean, just unbelievable. And they're actually, they're, they make comparisons to Patrick Mahomes way too much now. But they're talking about pocket manipulation and Noah Fafita and, and how good he is. You know, Jed Fish has done a great job kind of building this offense around him. And they could not run the football last night very effectively. But Fafita was awesome. He was just moving around. He was making plays. He is a firecracker. He's exciting. He does kind of remind you a little bit. I, I would say, to be honest, like early season, uh, early career, rather, Russell Wilson are kind of the vibes I get from Fafita. And so when I watched the Arizona game last night, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's just one game, but we have to think about what our expectations are moving forward. I don't think Fafita lost a game as a starter. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Ever since he came in, I mean, they were lights. I might have lost one, maybe two, but like they have been lights out ever since Noah Fafita took over the quarterback spot for Arizona. And, um, you know, I think if you go back and you play that USC game over again, they probably win that game now at this point, as good as USC was. I mean, this was, this was a really impressive effort. And, um, so, you know, because bowl season is a whole lot of projecting and going forward. And I'll appreciate that what Arizona did this season. But, you know, they're a Pac-12 school. They end of the year is a Pac-12 team. What they are going to become is a Big 12 school. And I think we have to seriously take them as a contender. I mean, it's a pretty strong argument, I think, at this point, that the two contenders to win the Big 12 in 2024 are both not in the conference in 2023. I think there is a, a argument for that. And there's positives and negatives to that being true, but I think it's exciting. And I think to, to have a player like Fafita come into the conference and basically hopefully be guaranteed two years of him, at least in college football, nothing's guaranteed, but we're guaranteed two more years of watching Fafita play. That is really exciting to me. Uh, and he is a really exciting player. And that was an exciting game. So shout out to Arizona, Oklahoma, your last football game as a Big 12 member. Uh, you lost to an incoming Big 12 school. Don't get it twisted. You were the top dog in this league for a long period of time. But uh, obviously, to, you know, Arizona deserves a lot of credit. And then let's talk about the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which happened yesterday, too. Uh, K-State gets win number nine. And so you're talking about exciting young quarterbacks in the Big 12 Conference. Nationally, yes. Uh, luckily for us, they're in the conference. Noah Fafita, obviously. But guys, Avery Johnson, the hype has been talked about. This kid is, he has got the tools to be the real deal. Sometimes guys coming out of high school, you know, it's it's just toolsiness we talk about, you know, and, and, and we don't actually see it. You saw it yesterday for Avery Johnson, what makes him such a dynamic player that folks are really excited about. This is why Will Howard left. It was one or the other. That program, you know, they could not have, I think, afforded both those guys, but this this program might be better off if they back Avery Johnson. 
because you watched with Will Howard this year, and, and John Kurtz brought it up, and I think it's a great point. Like Kansas State really struggled to have receivers get separation this year. Will Howard was throwing into a lot of tight windows. And so having a guy like an Avery Johnson who can extend plays and work sideline to sideline is going to benefit their offense so much, especially if the receiving core does not get significant upgrades or those guys do not get a lot better. So that's what I'm thinking about. Of You know, like talent, yes, I just mentioned that. He's got that. But what does he actually do? What is it that Avery Johnson brings that helps out an offense like K-State? Well, number one, you lost the awesome offensive coordinator, so it's nice to have a guy like Avery Johnson there. Uh, but two, like you're seeing that, okay, if receiver is a problem, obviously you'd like to upgrade receiver, but what can your quarterback do to help out receivers? Well, a guy who extend plays just gives receivers more time to get open. Saw it with Fafita last night. You saw with Avery Johnson last night as well, and he was a big reason why they won that football game, and I thought it was exciting to watch him. Yes, were there issues? Obviously, there were issues. Was he super accurate? No, he was not accurate. Part of that is on him. Part of that's on the team. DJ Giddens also had a monster game too. Um, but that's also a part of his game is you now, you know, Will Howard, you have to account for. Avery Johnson is like in every play. You have to account for his legs. And the one thing about him, when I, when I watch him run, the one thing I, I really feel, you know, almost, I guess it's probably Colin Kleinish. Like Colin was not super, super fast. But I feel like it was a relatively fluid runner. Avery Johnson is a very fluid runner. He is an incredible – just it looks right when he runs with the football. Also looks like Jungle Boy from AEW too, uh, as you all who are wrestling fans out there. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, mean, I think there's a lot to be excited about for K-State. And once again, guys, Chris Kleiman just keeps racking up eight, nine-win seasons. This is – this you know, in the last four years, like this is the second best follow-up season we've had for a Big 12 championship team com uh, competitor. Oklahoma's in 2021 was really good. Um, didn't make the Big 12 title game, but it was still a really good effort. This also, to me, is another uh, you know really strong season. I know it didn't end up the way K-State fans wanted it to, but you're still stacking positive season after positive season, right? And obviously, if you flip that Oklahoma State game, like maybe things go differently for you. But Oklahoma State went out there, better game plan, beat you, won that game. And so you have to give them credit on that run. But if you're a Kansas State man, if you're a K-State fan – you know, um, I, I have some concerns about what quarterback play look like in the Big 12 and moving forward, but this is like a blue chip prospect that you landed, that you got, and that you're like, let's go. I mean, this is this was a signed, sealed, delivered blue chip guy. You've got him playing in the second year, um, and, and you're feeling really positive now and really excited now about the future for him. Uh, and maybe where, you know, Fafita lacks in height and whatnot, like Avery Johnson does not lack any of it. He has got a pretty good arm. He has got really good legs. We'll see if the accuracy gets better. But to me, Avery Johnson, there's a whole lot of reasons to be excited for Kansas State football fans uh, moving forward. And Chris Klein did a great job. And also now we have to mention um, what an event the Pop-Tarts Bowl was. I mean, that – you'll talk about, like, why bowl games matter and stuff like that. Like, that was just a lot of fun. We all just had fun watching the Pop-Tarts Bowl. There's just – there's no two ways around that. We all enjoyed watching the game. We all enjoyed the memes on the internet. It was a great production. I thought the broadcast team had the right amount of fun and took the game seriously. Like it, it, it did not feel like the game didn't matter. Um, 
in some ways, I guess the game was a sideshow. Like on the internet, at least the game was a sideshow. People were forgetting about. It. I mean, but like they all ate the pop tart. It sounded like it tasted pretty good, you know. And so I, I thought all of it was it was fun and exciting. And you know, you, you talk about Brett Yormark, the brand guy. You know, the guy who cares about branding and the guy who cares about uh, what folks think and, and what they see. Um, and think about oh, the WWE and the Big Twelve Championship game. Like, does that stuff really matter? I'll tell you what, we created, we, we have a positive association right here. I don't know what it means. I don't know if it means anything at all, but like, I think we all have a positive association with Kansas State football and Pop-Tarts and the feeling that we got on December 28th from watching a Pop-Tart say, dreams come true, get slid into a toaster, and then a actual like edible Pop-Tart cake type deal came out. Avery Johnson and Chris Kleiman got to eat. And then the entire team, I mean, just devoured, like absolutely devoured, which was, which was uh, funny to watch. Also shout out guys at Cooper baby who played the last game. I mean, I saw on the internet people say, Hey, last play he was in ended with a pancake, very fitting way for one of the best offensive linemen, you know, in modern big 12 history and one of the best offensive linemen in K state's history, a great way for his career to end. Uh, and so you talk about that. The, the OG Pop-Tarts Bowl, though, really is, is the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And uh, I know Drake May did not play, but West Virginia picks up win number nine. And so I talked about this, guys, earlier on in the season, and I just want to revisit this now. Uh, just, you know, I, I don't want to always repeat myself, but I feel like it's important to repeat myself on this front. Um, West Virginia, and also I'm going to Oklahoma State here a little bit too, but – West Virginia, to pick up nine wins this season, Neil Brown to go into the year back against the wall. Uh, guys, I said that his seat was so – he he should have been so fired that his seat was cool. Like, just dead man walking, in my opinion, going, going into the year. And he takes back play calling. He says, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on my terms, calling my plays with my quarterback, Garrett Green. And it and it all went about as well as it could. And look, can you have some, some skepticism about the quality of team that they beat? Absolutely. I will not tell you that you are wrong in that department. There is a healthy amount of skepticism needed about the quality of teams that they beat. But you know what? They beat everybody who is worse than them. And they won, you know, last year, like, even though they were bad, they won a rivalry game against Virginia Tech. They beat their rival Pitt this season. That's a nice win to have in your back pocket. You know, they beat some teams of the incoming Big 12 teams, as they should have. They played a regional. So, I mean, look, guys, like North Carolina and West Virginia, you know, somebody's talked about how I said that game was a home game for Carolina. I meant in the sense of, like, it was nearby. West Virginia fans, you all travel like nobody else. Well, Iowa State is up there, too. But, like, this is a regional game, and West Virginia guys does – they recruit against North Carolina. You know, that's, that's a big talking point here. Like, Missouri and Ohio State, they recruit against each other. You know, it's 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 good to win these games, even if they're bowl games, just to have a victory over a team that you are in some regional recruiting with. That's important. You know, I'm not sure how far it goes, but still it's just a notch in your belt. And to get that, to finish off your season that way with a pretty comprehensive win, 230-10, is all – Fantastic, and the Duke's Mayo bath too. It's a great story. You know, I, I almost got emotional thinking about it, like like earlier in the year. Just like the self belief and the belief of these players. You know, this people lament now what has happened to college football and what's happened to the sport. 
And I know the coach's salaries are out of control and conference consolidation and realignment is bad for the sport and oh, NIL and kids getting paid. And we can debate all that stuff. But this was a, this is a pretty simple human story. This is this guy's head is on the chopping block. These players were all picked to finish 14th in the league. And they went out and they said, we will not accept that. That outcome is unacceptable. We are going to go out there and we are going to display each week why we are not that bad of a team. But we are a good team. We are a good challenge. And they had a really awesome season, a nine-win season. Now, I think Neil Brown had to give us something like that to earn his, to, to earn the job back because I think West Virginia is a fan base that deserves a good, a good team, and they recruited pretty well this year too. And so I think Neil Brown has earned himself – I'm not saying another contract extension, but he's earned himself another year, a final year with Garrett Green, to basically say, all right, this is my guy – this is his final season. He is improving. And so, guys, if you ask me to go top three quarterbacks in this league heading into 2024, I'm going to give you three guys. Plain and simple right now. Noah, Noah Fafita came, became number one last night, which will be a fun debate topic this offseason. Noah Fafita, Cam Rising, Garrett Green. Those are my three heading into the league next year that I think you have to account for. But I'd say, Josh, what about Jalen Daniels at Kansas? Well, I, I, I want to say yes but we have to see Jalen on the field We because Jason Bean's gone now. There is no Jason Bean to save the Kansas Jayhawks. It's Jalen Daniels. They need to keep him on the field. And so because he only played three games this year, am I excited to play him? Yes. If I think, you know, I think part of the deal, part of the reason why uh, Jalen was picked to be the uh, preseason offensive player of the year was the next step that I think we thought he could all take with his talent level. And the thing was, I, I think we were seeing it happen. Like, I think his level of play to start off the year was super high. The problem is we did not get to see that throughout the season just because of his injury. And so he needs to prove to us that he's there and he's getting better. Like Fafita got better as the season went along. The guy's a freshman. Oh, my God, it's horrifying. Garrett Green also, too. You know, uh, the thing for Garrett Green is if he improves at intermediate pass, he's going to be really, really difficult to stop because he is a – surprising, maybe not, not surprisingly is not the right word, but he is a really strong vertical passer. He is a really good deep ball thrower. He's a really good runner. And so you, you pair this combination rushing attack, with a vertical passing attack. I mean, honestly, they're, they're kind of only one part away from having a more complete offense. And actually I think more of the intermediate stuff might be a bit more of a personnel issue for West Virginia than it is a Garrett green accuracy issue because he's a low accuracy, high output passer. Um, and I need low accuracy in terms of like what you what you would hope for your quarterback to be at. But I'm not saying it's ineffective. I'm just saying it's a low accuracy deal. But they found their leader. They, and, and, and um, you know, to be fair, to be, to be honest, going into the season, there were talks about, hey, is it Nico Marquial should be the guy? Should it be Garrett Green? Now, I think Garrett always had the inside track. He took that. He ran with it, man. He's been fantastic. He's been fantastic. He had an awesome season. And Neil Brown deserves a ton of credit. And West Virginia fans, you should be very, very pleased. Now, once again, the, the, what, the thing that we're asking for is consistency. We're looking at K-State. We're looking at Kansas. We're looking at Utah. We're seeing what makes those programs good right now. It's the consistency in the coaching. It's the consistency in the performance. It's next man up. It's all of those things that are like the cliches. But like we talk about Kansas – Hey, they might not have the best guys, but they're well prepared and they're really confident in what they're doing, right? 
they're confident, you know, Jason being like Jalen Daniels, they're taking care of the ball a bit more. You know, it's a lot of high accuracy, a lot of, you know, easy, easier throws, I think, for Jalen. For Bean, it's like run around, let it rip. Let's roll. Let's do that. We know it's, you know, that, that type of deal. Um, and they, 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 they had a ton of confidence. And in defense, it's let's turn teams over. Let's be aggressive in that way. And so you, you know what to expect. You know what's going to be hard. And you know Lance Leipold's going to work the reps. You know what to expect from those teams. And the same thing would be said for, K, for K-State and, and Utah. The same thing would be said for Utah as they come in. And that's what programs like West Virginia, that, that's what you want to be. You know, we all want to go win championships every single season. That's all we want to do as fans. But the – what you have to do is you have to put yourself in position to be there. Like K-State puts themselves in position to be there because they're consistently winning eight to nine games. So we get late in the season and, hey, they didn't make the Big 12 championship game, but they're still in the race. They're still in the conversation. That's where West Virginia fans think, you know, you want to be because we've seen, you know, we saw Rich Rodriguez do it. Now, look, guys, the thing about Rich Rod, we all have to understand that we all do. I think West Virginia fans not lost on you all is that he is a generational uh, he's one of the most influential play callers ever, right? And mo- when it comes to modern offense, nobody has had a bigger impact on the modern offense um, than him. You know, I, I mean, you could say how mummy maybe out there, but uh, Mike Leach, if you want to, but but Mike Leach copied a lot of what how mummy did. Rich Prod's right up there. And, and so what he did was really important, but also too, like the recruiting was a huge piece of that going into Florida and getting guys and, and now winning battles against those regional schools is important guys. I'll, I'll tell you this. They picked up a lot of wins recently over schools. They recruit against against Pitt. Uh, they were not, they, they were not terrible against Penn state. And once again, I would like to see West Virginia play Penn state later on the season. I'm not saying they win the game. I think it'd be a lot closer though. They beat Virginia tech last season. They beat them twice. They beat them in Morgantown and they beat them in Blacksburg the last two times that they have played. Right. They beat Pitt this year, as I'd mentioned before too there, and they beat North Carolina. So they're picking up these good wins against regional rivals that are going to help them. And so, folks, yeah, you're asking for consistency. Like, if they don't win seven or eight games next year, yeah, West Virginia fans should be upset. But if you get seven or eight, that shows you are building. That That is you are building consistency. It's what I talked about with Texas Tech. Texas Tech had not had the same coach have back-to-back winning seasons since Mike Leach in 0809. They had had back-to-back winning seasons, but it was separate coaches doing it. So it's important now that Joey McGuire goes eight and five. And even though they're seven and six, it's still back-to-back winning seasons. And that's important. And West Virginia is right now. And here's the thing, guys, this big 12, like upper to middle class is really good. It's really strong. We're seeing this. I mean, we're, we're talking about a bunch of nine, 10 win teams. You know, uh, Utah, even with the backup all year long, ends up winning eight, right? Uh, Arizona has to flip quarterbacks, but they won 10 games this year. Kansas wins nine games. K-State wins nine games. Uh, West Virginia wins nine games. And Oklahoma State wins 10. And that's that's really high output. Like, you look – I'd be curious to see this at now at the end of the season. But you look at the Big 12 standings and where we're at now, Texas – 12 win teams. There's one 10 plus win team. Oklahoma State, 10 win team. Oklahoma, 10 win team. That's three. West Virginia, nine win team. Kansas State, nine win team. And Kansas, nine win team. You've got six teams that have won at least nine games this season. Very, very, very impressive effort from Big 12 teams. 
in these bowl games. And that does not even count once again, Arizona winning nine, right? So, I mean, you know, we'll kind of put it all together there. Uh, really impressive stuff. And even take Texas and Oklahoma out. You've got Oklahoma State. You've got West Virginia. You've got K-State. You've got Kansas. You've got Arizona. Those five schools all with nine-plus win seasons. Really good stuff. And then finally, let's talk about Oklahoma State, right? They get, I know, a bruised and battered um, Texas A&M team, a team that is going through a coaching transition, which we have to mention as well, too. But by hook or by crook, Mike Gundy ends up in the winner's circle, ends up with a double-digit win season. And um, I, I mostly reflect upon this season, and I, I think two things can be true. I think a lot of our concerns about Mike Gundy's management of personnel were validated in September. I think Mike Gundy realized that in September and did what all great coaches do. Like it was basically the, the best of both, I guess the worst of one world and the, and the you know, whatever you want to say, like it was Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Mr. High, whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use. Because that September, I left him for dead, left him for dead. Then they go on the bye and they come out with that shot. I mean, you could tell. I, I bet K-State in that Friday night game against Oklahoma State, both those teams coming off a bye, you could tell from the first drive that Oklahoma State had that um, this was a drastically different outfit. They had a plan. They said, look, we're not just going to run the rock at you. We're going to hit different parts of the field. Alan Bowman's a threat in this game. Alan Bowman's a threat for the rest of the year. And, guys, let's count them up right now for Mike Gundy. This is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten win seasons for Mike Gundy. It's three ten win seasons. Actually, if you go back to 2016, you go back to 2015, guys, it's one, two, three, four, five, ten win seasons since 2015. All right? He does not miss bowl games. Um, he, I mean, he is just, he's one of the best in the business. And he is difficult. He is a lightning rod figure, right? But the reason why Oklahoma State is going to compete for Big 12 championships moving forward is because of having a guy like that. Guys, look at them this season. Look at the game that they lost they lost iowa state earlier on yes i mean in the big 12 conference they lost iowa state earlier on yes but when it came to the games against the teams in the end of the day that were competing for big the a spot in the big 12 championship game against Bed oklahoma and bedlam they won the game against k-state they won the game against kansas they won the game now all those games were at home which was nice but they won the game and here's the thing like this oklahoma state team was relatively limited, I thought, in terms of talent. At wide receiver, I think I, I did not give them enough credit to start off the year. But, like, overall, they've got Ollie Gordon is really good. Their offensive line's not excellent. At times, they, really, they had really good moments this year, but not excellent. And their defense is not, on the whole, excellent. So, like, in a Texas, when a Texas rolls up on them and beats them like the way they did, like, Oklahoma doesn't have much of a response. But – if, if the talent is somewhat in a similar neighborhood, they can do a lot of stuff coaching-wise to offset that, and they're, and they're incredibly well-coached. And Mike Gundy did a really good job this year. And, um, you know, once again, I think for Mike, like, this could have been more than a 10-win season. You know, I'm, uh, and I think this team, honestly, they, they really did overachieve in some ways. But, like, if you go back and look how the Iowa State game went down, 
and you go back and look how the South Alabama game goes down. I mean, we're talking about a season that could have been a lot. Like the UCF game and the Texas game were losses. Those were always going to be losses, right? But there, there's a case that Oklahoma State could have won some more games this year. Um, I think it's a compelling one too. But overall, you know, I, I think this is a weird way to think about this. Somebody's going to be disappointed next year in the Big 12. And it might be a lot of somebody's because look at all these programs. West Virginia, eight wins, nine wins this year. Arizona, 10 wins. Utah, eight wins. And obviously gets a lot back, you know, didn't have all their parts this year. They're coming into the conference. Kansas, K-State, Oklahoma State. These are really good. Co- I mean, think about the coaches. Like outside of West Virginia, and this is no offense to Neil Brown because he did a great job this year. But outside of the coaches uh, of Neil Brown, think about the coaches that are on the, that are getting these units ready. Lance Leipold, Chris Kleiman, Kyle Whittingham, Mike Gundy, uh, and hey, we'll even throw Jed Fish in there because the job he did this season. I mean, these you know these are fan bases. You know, we all kind of think like linear is you know, winning is a straight line. It's supposed to be winning. You know, it's it's a straight line upwards, and it's it's not. It's like this. But we start getting wins, and we think more wins should follow. Excuse me. And so a lot of programs are going to be upset next year when they don't get wins, but it's good because the, the health and the competition in this conference is really good. It's always in a strong middle class. <coughs> Excuse me, but especially this year, the upper to middle class, really good. Really good. And the bowl performance is good. I mean, honestly, you look at that game, the the, the um, Alamo Bowl, it's a result that you wanted. Arizona beating Oklahoma, I know that the Pac-12 team beats the Big 12 team, but it's kind of the result that you actually wanted from that game. All right, that will do it for today's show. We've got one more non-playoff Big 12 game left to go. That is Iowa State and Memphis. Uh, right now, overall, the Big 12, let's see, they're one and one, one and one, two and one, uh, three and one, four and one, five and one, right? Five and one, or five and two, rather, if you count the, it's almost like six and one, but in the, the Arizona game, you know, because um, like just with the matchup and whatnot. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's, that's what you want to happen. So the, the one of the two, one of the losses, we'll take. We'll take one of those losses. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on uh, at NWPod365, at Josh Neighbors underscore, as well. You guys can find me wherever you get your podcast. We will be back on Monday with a preview edition. What is today? It's today, Friday? Yeah. Monday, so a preview edition of the college football playoff because a Big 12 school, Texas, is in it. Uh, big, last chance for Texas to prove that, the, you know, kind of get what done in the Big 12 that they – really has escaped them since 2005, succeed, win the, win the league, uh, win the national championship. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at NWPod365, uh, at Josh Neighbor underscore. Find the show where you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, folks, we will talk at you on Monday.